Grace, mercy, and God's peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not easy getting ready for Christmas, especially during this COVID-19 driven year, right? For one thing, there's, there's so much to do. Yeah, it actually is more difficult in many respects because it's harder to get out and move around and do the things that we've perhaps been used to over the years. Now, for many of us, though, this is still one of the busiest times of the year. It's also one of the most nerve-wracking, particularly if you're a person who doesn't enjoy shopping, even online. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on that one. I did come across a statistic with which many, I'm going to say this is sexist, but with many men in the congregation perhaps may relate. It's one that was done about the Mall of America, and this was published before COVID-19 threw a monkey wrench into the works. And here's what the poll found. It stated that 31% of men believe they have a better chance of winning the Heisman Trophy than finding the right holiday gift for their wives. Now, don't hold your hands up. <laughs> However, apparently wives got their act together a little better. Again, no comments necessary. But apparently only 18% of women felt the same sense of doom about shopping for their spouses. All kinds of ramifications, right? But what that means is that about a third of the men here, as well as those listening online this morning, are under real pressure. It isn't easy getting ready for Christmas. And that's why each year about this time we hear the voice of John the Baptist calling us from the wilderness. Our text from Mark, and we're going to pick up on that again next week, uh, some more stuff about John. But it's, it's a story of preparation, and his message is pretty simple. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, John is the one who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. Our first lesson, that was written about 700 years before John was on the scene, before Jesus was even around. And John is the one that Isaiah is talking about, where Isaiah said, a voice of one in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, John's emphasis, it's important, not only for the folks back then, but for us as we are at the beginning stages of our Advent season today. Because Advent is a season of preparation. It's a time where we begin to tell again that message of how God kept his promise to mankind that he would send the Savior. Now, back in the first century, uh, and before that as well, too. But the Jews, they took a ceremonial bath uh, called a mifga, or a mikvah, in order to ritually pure themselves for worship. Kind of like taking a shower before we would come to church today, but a little more elaborate. You notice in the picture there, those, those three little pits, those are filled with water, there's steps. And so when you went to church, uh, obviously this wasn't in Minnesota. You know, but uh, you, you, would, you would take this ritual ceremonial bath to kind of cleanse yourself so that you're ready to, to go into the presence of God, to be ritually pure for worship. Well, John, uh, he's a guy who was calling people to cleanse themselves, but not simply through this, this piece of preparation for worship. John, though, makes a bigger change, a bigger claim. He wants an inner change of heart and mind. Repentance is what he said. He wants the heart and mind which is to be a product of pure and a holy life. Well, with that in mind, I want us to think about a question this morning. Are there some changes 
you need to make in your life. I can be honest with yourself because we're not taking a poll. You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe there's something that's going on, some resentment that you need to let go of. Or maybe there's a relationship that you need to examine. Well, what John is telling us in our text this morning is to kind of look within, to search ourselves and to deal with problem areas in our lives before they get out of hand. Because it doesn't take long before those, those things that go on in our life can take over and there's uh, resentment that goes with it. Now, I, I love, there's a silly story that uh, I've told before, but I, I think it's great. And it fits with what we're talking about this morning. It's about a guy who spent his whole life out in the desert. Maybe he was a Minnesotan that retired to Arizona. I don't know. But in any case, there, this guy from the desert, he came to visit a friend in town. Now, the man who had lived in his desert all these years had never seen a train. Choo-choo-choo. Never seen a train or the tracks that they ran on. So he and his buddy, they're, they're, they're standing and they're kind of looking at these iron things on the ground. And, and while standing there in the middle of the railroad tracks one day, he hears a whistle. Woo! You like that? But he doesn't know what it is. Well, predictably, whack, he gets hit, but thankfully it's only a glancing blow. It's throwing head over heels to the side of the track. Well, with some minor internal injuries and a few broken bones and some bruises, he, he recuperates. And after weeks of hospital recovering, he was in at his friend's house attending a party one evening. And while in the kitchen, he suddenly heard a tea kettle whistling. Well, he grabbed a baseball bat from the nearby closet and he proceeded to batter and bash this tea kettle into an unrecognizable lump of metal. And his friends, hearing the ruckus, rushes into the kitchen and said, What are you doing? Why are you rooting my good tea kettle? Well, the punchline. The desert man replied, Man, you got to kill these things when they're small. <laughs> Thank you. I, I thought that was pretty good. I enjoyed that one. Well, the reason I tell that is because that's kind of the way it is in our lives with sin. You know, it can start out small, but then it kind of grows if left unchecked. Whether that's anger, resentment, self-destructive behaviors, habits. We've got to deal with them while they're still small before we become captive to them. And, and they can get us, can't they? So, John the Baptist comes to us and he says, Repent. Look within. Examine your life. See if there are some changes you need to make. Repent. It's another little antidote. Dwight Moody, great preacher a hundred years ago, he used to tell about a legend is one of his stories that he told regularly while he was doing his preaching. And it's a legend about a beautiful swan that flew in one day on the banks of the waters in which a crane was wading about seeking snails. Moody's on the top, the swan's on the right, the crane's on the left. For a few moments, Moody tells in his legend, this crane kind of looks up at this swan and, and just almost stupid wonder. And then he asks of the swan, Where'd you come from? And the swan elegantly says, I came from heaven. The crane said, Well, where's heaven? Heaven, said the swan, heaven. 
Have you never heard of heaven? And the beautiful bird, the swan, went on to describe the grandeur of the eternal city. She told of streets of gold and gates and walls made of precious stones, of the river of life pure as crystal, upon whose banks is the tree whose leaves never, never fall. Well, in eloquent terms, the swan sought to describe the angels and all those who live in the other world, but without arousing the slightest interest on the part of this crane. And finally, the crane kind of cranks his head to the side a bit and asks of the swan, are there any snails there in heaven? Snails, replied the swan. No, of course there are not. Then, said the crane, as it continued searching along the slimy banks of the pool, you can have your heaven. I want snails. <laughs> well, this fable, said Moody a hundred years ago, has a deep truth underlying it. And then he went on to explain, you know, how many folks, young folks particularly, to whom God has granted the advantage of a Christian home, have turned their back upon it and, and searched for snails, if you will. How many a man will sacrifice his wife or his family, his all, for the snails of sin? How many gals have deliberately turned from the love of parents and home to learn too late that heaven has been forfeited for snails? Now, Moody said these things a century ago. But I don't think it's too far off that things are still very similar to what he's describing. Folks are still swapping heaven for snails. And of course, what's the question for you and me here this morning? John the Baptist's words are not only for the folks then, but for each of us as well. And causing us to ask that question, are there some changes, changes that need to be made in your life? Hmm. Well, repentance that John's talking about, the change of heart, the looking at who we are, what are we going to do about it. For the follower of Christ, it's more than, than turning away from immoral acts. Yes, it's that. But the followers of Jesus, repentance is always turning to God and to one's family. It's a both and, away from and to. And so the question for you and me here this morning, are there some folks that you need to reach out to you know, these tensions in COVID has kind of brought out not necessarily the best in a lot of us. <clears throat> well, that's the wonderful thing about this time of the year, that we're motivated to reach out and demonstrate our love to others. Pearl S. Buck, she's a, another famous gal, and she tells a Christmas story. I love it. It's one I've told before, but I think it's just such a good one. It's about a young man, a young man whose first experience of giving a gift from the heart. Rob, young man's name, about 15 years old that particular Christmas. And he was a strapping young guy who was a great help on his dad's family farm. Well, the farm work started early in the morning with Rob and his father out in the barn milking the cows every morning at 5 a.m. I know if I were asked a show of hands, some of you with a few years under your belt can say, yeah, I, I can relate to that. Well, Rob was, he liked working alongside his father 
Oh, oh, he wasn't too fond of getting up in the early morning, and I think we get that. Well, one morning, Rob overheard his parents talking outside his bedroom. And his father was telling his wife that he was a bit reluctant to wake Rob up that morning for the chores. Because Dad wanted his son to get some sleep. I mean, he really loved his boy. He wished out loud that he could do all the milking himself so as not to work Rob so hard. Well, this actually was a bit surprising to Rob. And as Rob lay there listening to his parents' conversation, he's struck by the realization that Dad loves me. Dad loves me. Wow. You see, his parents had always expressed their love in simple, everyday ways. You know, food, clothing, um, all the stuff that goes on in daily life. But they weren't very prone to verbalize their feelings. Not unusual, sad to say. But Dad's conversation with his wife confirmed enough for Rob. Dad loves me. Well, Suddenly, Rob wanted more than anything to show his dad that he loved him, too. So he thought, what can I do? Christmas was only a few days away. So Rob had a little time to think, and he couldn't afford to buy his parents a fancy present. It would have to be something that would make his father happy. So he thought. And he came up with the idea that he would go out early and milk the cows all by himself before his father even woke up. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do, he said. So Christmas morning, Rob woke up before 4 a.m. Oh, my. He slipped out to the barn, milked the cows, and made it back to bed before his dad could suspect anything. Well, Rob's heart had been so full of love and joy uh, that it didn't even feel like work to him that day. Well, soon dad came into this room and woke him for the morning milking. Time to get up, Rob. Then Dad went on ahead while Rob got ready. Well, in a few minutes, Rob's dad returned. And he was alternating laughing and crying. He was so touched by his son's gift, he didn't know what to say. And his dad wrapped his arms around his son. Rob's dad promised he would remember this gift every Christmas for as long as he lived. Well, the aftermath of that story is that 50 years later, <clears throat> after that day, Rob still awoke on Christmas morning and remembered the gift that had made his dad so happy. Because it was a gift that had come straight from his heart. This was a gift of thoughtfulness. It hadn't cost Rob a penny, but it was priceless to his father. And of course, I hope your wheels are turning. Is there someone perhaps this Christmas you need to reach out to? It may be someone in your own family, like Rob. Maybe it's someone at school, even if it's online. Or maybe at work, if you're fortunate enough to still be able to. Someone here in church. Well, this Advent time of year is a wonderful time to make new beginnings. And we ask ourselves, are there some changes we need to make? Is there someone you need to reach out to? Because we know that Jesus came into our world at Christmas time. Why? Because we had a problem that we couldn't solve by ourselves. We, mankind as a whole, were sinners. We admitted that just earlier in our worship. And sin separates mankind, you and me, from a holy and perfect God. Sin condemns us, curses us, destines us for hell. That's not good. 
But by Jesus coming as one of us, we now have a link back to God. Jesus became our substitute, our representative before God. And when he bore the burden of our sin on the death instrument known as the cross, our slate of condemnation wiped clean. We're forgiven by God. The payment demanded for sin was made by Jesus on our behalf. While the central focus of Christianity, why you and I are sitting here this morning or watching online wherever you are in various parts of the country or around the world, we know that the central focus is not on the decorating of the evergreens. Beautiful as they are, I love it. It's always fun to see them. But that's not the primary focus, is it? Nor is exchanging the presents. Although you tell a kid that, they may disagree with you. Singing of the carols, going to parties, if by chance we're able to, if we're released in time for this year's celebration. But what's the central focus? So simple for us on Jesus. So, to be truly prepared for Christmas, we need to remember the central focus of Christmas is Christ. Jeannie Williams, I don't think you know her, but she was having a tough time of it, feeling pretty low. Christmas was fast approaching, and like many other folks, Christmas sometimes is a, is a hard season. The joy of the season just wasn't there for her that year. Her parents, she's a young gal at this point, were getting a divorce after 36 years of marriage. And as far as she was concerned, it mocked all the beautiful memories and enjoyable holiday celebrations she had as a young girl growing up. Well, Jeannie was out doing her shopping, wandering the aisles of one of the stores in the Mall of America. And she, she came upon a nativity set, you know, the, the Mary, Joseph, Kings, and all that stuff. A little nativity set with a little character strewn across the floor. Wow! Apparently something happened, knocked it off. And as she stooped to pick it up, she heard a mother in the next aisle over scolding her young daughter. Evidently, the, the, the young girl had picked up something off the floor and popped it in her mouth. Ooh! Well, the little girl protested, no, I didn't put anything in my mouth. Instead, she said, I was kissing it. Kissing it. It turned out to be a little figurine of the baby Jesus. Probably the same figurine that went with the scattered nativity set that Jeannie held in her hands. Well, Jeannie kind of crept around and, and, and looked. And the little girl and her mother were obviously poor, but the little girl's face shone as she held that little Jesus child figurine up to her mother. And she begged mom, please, can you buy it? But this made mom even angrier. And she yelled at the little girl, put that figurine down. Jeannie turned away, not wanting to see the child get publicly scolded. All was silent, though. And when she turned back, she saw mom on her knees, hugging her child in her arms fighting back tears herself. Well, the little girl tried to comfort mom, assuring her that, I, I really don't want that little figurine, mom. Well, the mom tried to explain that she wanted very much to buy it for her daughter, but they just couldn't afford it this year. Things were tough. Suddenly, the child's eyes lit up as she said, Mom, I don't need the baby Jesus doll. Really? My teacher from Sunday school says that I've got Jesus living in my heart. Well, as mom and dad hugged each other and left Jeannie and kind of sprinted to the front of the store, she still had the nativity set in her hands to pay for that nativity scene. 
And she asked the clerk to, to catch that mom and child on the way out and give them the little Jesus doll. Well, if you were to visit Jeannie's house today, the Williams household at Christmas time, you'd see on their mantle a lovely little nativity scene that's missing its star attraction, the figurine of the baby Jesus. You might think it's incomplete as you look at it, but if you ask Jeannie Williams where Jesus is, she'll quickly have a smile on her face and tell you, he's in my heart. Simple truth, right? But it's the central truth of this season of the year, of what happens with Jesus in our heart. So John's purpose was to prepare people's heart for the coming of the Messiah. And he did it in the only way he knew, to tell the folks, repent folks, let's have some changes, because the kingdom of heaven is near. It's near. Especially for those who are willing to look within and examine their lives. It's near for those willing to reach out with Christ's love to others. It's near to those whose hearts are open to Jesus who came to be their Lord and Savior. So what do you think a takeaway is for us this morning? How's your heart? Are you prepared for Christmas? Repent, John said, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's near for those willing to look, examine their lives, to those willing to reach out for Christ's love to others. It's near to those whose hearts are open to Jesus. And we ask ourselves, are we prepared for Christmas? I pray we are. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.